Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Well, hello, everybody. May 2-4 weekend. Oh, my gosh. I hope you are having the best time with family and friends and enjoying not meeting in person. But I wanted to um, start off today on our long weekend, a three-week series on the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about eight truths about the Holy Spirit. Facts. That's a phrase that people use when they're talking about things that are facts. They'll just say that word. They'll just say facts. But even sometimes it's just F-A-X, facts. So I want to talk, I want to, talk to you eight facts about the Holy Spirit. But eight truths, eight concrete truths, eight things that we believe about the Holy Spirit. He can be such a mystery, can't he? We, we have a concept of God the Father and Jesus who was a man a God-man who walked on the earth. We have a concept of this man. We have a concept of the Father. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, gets a little bit hard done by sometimes. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the spectrum of beliefs about the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we get pigeonholed in the charismatic or Pentecostal movement thinking that the Holy Spirit is the gifts or the Holy Spirit is the manifestations or the Holy Spirit is the speaking in tongues and the interpretation of those tongues. But really the Holy Spirit is a lot more broad than that. He's a lot more present than that. I was going to call this message, we're all charismatics, because that word charismatic comes from the word charisma, the Greek root word being charis, which is gift. In other words, we've all been gifted with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we're all charismatic. But that word has been pigeonholed into a a group of our sort of Protestant faith, a group of our uh, our Christian brethren that I think we come into where to believe in the Holy Spirit and His infilling is just to be um, earmarked in this section. But I want to challenge us today to have a much more broader approach to the Holy Spirit moving in our faith and in our lives. And in the, book, in, in, in the Bible, in the book of John chapter 14, 15 through 31, we talk here about Jesus. We read about Jesus promising the Holy Spirit. So you've got God the Father sends His Son Jesus, and then Jesus paints the picture and opens the curtain, so to speak, for the Holy Spirit, and He promises the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Verse 15 says this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He will give you another advocate to help you. That's really cool. The world world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. 
All this I have spoken while still with you. Verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will come in my name. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. Holy Spirit, welcome. We ask that you speak, presence yourself here. Move God on this long weekend. God, as we're here as a church, leaning into your word and what you would have to say to us today. Father, we pray that as we speak about eight truths, eight facts, eight concrete beliefs about the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The redemptive arc of humanity began the moment Adam and Eve walked away from God in the garden. God's commitment to the redemption of mankind through Noah and Abraham, through Moses, through Israel, through David, the law, the prophets, through the teaching and the building of the nation of Israel, through the culminating and the arrival of Jesus Christ, that his life and teaching his death on the border of three continents, that it would move like a wildfire through the world. The most impacting moment in human history was the culmination of that arc of redemption of God reconciling himself to humanity. But I don't know about you though, but have you ever felt that in that explosive moment in human history where Jesus came for his life and three years of ministry, have you ever felt like he had something up his sleeve, that he was holding something back, like a magician not showing his cards or a parent playing a sport with their kids, taking it easy, knowing that they've got a little bit more in reservation, that the whole thing was a setup for the redemption of humanity and the delivery of the Holy Spirit for the saints to live the life in honor of the grace that we've been given, that we cannot live that life without a sense of God's presence and the Holy Spirit in our life. There is this sense of build, isn't there? This crescendo that, that there's this feeling like it's building to a moment where Jesus gives his life, comes back from the dead. We celebrate that at Easter. And there's a delivery, a welcoming, an impartation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes his apostles his apostles, his disciples, with the Holy Spirit. But there's also this feeling like the Holy Spirit is like the worst kept secret in the Bible. That in that moment, it's like he arrives and in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 comes like tongues of fire over the heads of those gathered in the upper room. There's an earthquake and a sound of rushing wind and the Holy Spirit enters powerfully and impacting in that moment. But at the same time, he's... If we use hindsight, which is a brilliant way to look back through the word, we realize that the Bible is no different, that the redemption and the delivery of the Holy Spirit is seen on the first pages of Scripture. 
that in Genesis, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, that we see him hovering over a chaotic time where it was formless and shapeless. And the Holy Spirit there over the waters, that he's been here since the beginning and kind of had his entrance there in those pages of the New Testament. We see the creation established in seven days in the book of Genesis where God spoke and he built and he made and the Holy Spirit was that creative force. We then see this mimic in the building of the tabernacle and again with the temple, both established in a series of seven days or seven orders or seven speeches that the garden and then the temple become places where God dwells. Physical manifestations, the garden of Eden, the tabernacle, the temple, manifestations of man's need to try and box God in or keep him in a place, even the Ark of the Covenant, a physical box that represented God's presence. We've got to kind of dial it in and find a place where we can go and find him. That the temple was modeled after Eden with pictures of trees and flowers and that motif that there were humans, priests and Levites designed to tend the temple as in the garden, so with the tabernacle and then on with the temple. That through Jesus, God's redemptive ark would be realized and his Holy Spirit would be ushered in in a new way. And God's presence was coming in a different way, not like previous hovering and creator, but in a in a new way, not kept inside a box or a temple, but the worst kept secret in the Bible, God's presence, the Holy Spirit was filling the world through the life and death of Jesus Christ. And then after his resurrection, his presence would dwell among his people and in his people. The Bible would call us the most bizarre of phrases in the the writings of the Apostle Paul and the writers of the New Testament. Uh, The Bible would call us temples, of the Holy Spirit. The Bible would call us living stones and living sacrifices. And we are that temple that that God would never again get another physical temple where he would live, but he would live in us. That we are that temple. That the Holy Spirit can be such a mystery. I'll never forget someone said to me one day, there are some things, Levi, that we will never know this side of eternity. There are so many mysteries about our faith. And we, we... We roll the dice so we live in the tension and the dance between the things we know for sure and the things that we can't be certain of. The things that we know through and through and those parts of our faith that we are just just living on a prayer. And the Holy Spirit can be like that. There's so much we know about Him and we want to talk about that today. Things that the Bible teaches us and experiences that we've had. But there's also so much that for us is such a mystery. That as I said earlier, we can grasp the Father, we can grasp the Son, but the Holy Spirit is often overlooked. As I mentioned, I wanted to call this scripture, we are all charismatic from the word charis, which means gift or the gift of grace. The Bible talks about 20 or so gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we are all given gifts, that he is our gift. And in our life, we bear fruit and we can be active in the gifts that he's given us. In other words, we are all charisma. We are all charis. We are all gifted with that gift of grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That even the most conservative among us pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But there is a spectrum of belief where people are more dialed into the moves of the Holy Spirit. More dialed in to the gifts and the manifestations. Some of us believe that infilling must be accompanied by manifestation gifts or tongues. I think they can be, but they don't necessarily need to be. But the spectrum can be misleading. We can think that 
Only people down this end of the spectrum are those that have or walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that all of us carry in us God's presence, His Holy Spirit. But the spectrum is, mis is misleading. We are all charismatic. We all have the Holy Spirit. We all need the Holy Spirit. Friends, I would submit to us today that the Holy Spirit is requisite to our faith. That without Him, it just doesn't work. And today I want to spit some truth, speak some facts about the Holy Spirit. And I've got eight truths for us today. Things that you can latch on your faith to. Things that we believe as a church. And I believe these are, these are orthodox and not progressive or new ideas or crazy Levi suggestions. But biblical ideas and beliefs about the Holy Spirit. As we launch into this series, believing that we can be filled afresh, ever filled, the Bible says, with His presence. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write the first one down. We've got eight points. On May long weekend, let's go. Let's get some teaching in us. Jesus, we need you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. From the outset, I want to clarify something for anyone that's unsure of this particular truth. And that is this. When you are saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are saved... You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You might then later on be filled. That's coupled with manifestations. You might later on speak in tongues. You might later on be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might later on continue to be filled. But the moment you repent, the moment you receive Jesus, you receive God's presence in your life. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the seal of salvation for all who believe. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, that having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, promised by Jesus in John 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, an inheritance, a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. The Holy Spirit is received by believing in Jesus. Acts 2.38 says, Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, Repent, and for the forgiveness of your sins, you repent to Jesus, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. Those two things, the Bible speaks to us clearly, hand in hand, repentance, and the infilling of God's presence in your life. Romans declares that without the Holy Spirit, we don't belong to Christ. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Amen. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the fruit of Christ, he does not belong in Christ. Therefore, when we belong in Christ, we receive His presence at that moment. We are saved when we repent. When we repent, we belong to Christ. When we belong to Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Number two, if you're taking notes, there's eight, so I'll try and move nice and quick. The Holy Spirit is in me, but number two, the Holy Spirit is on me. He's in me, and He's on me. The Bible speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit falling, descending. He's above, He's hovering in Genesis. He's the cloud and fire in Exodus. He's the Holy Spirit alighting in the form of a dove on Jesus. He's in us, but He's on us. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and this is a key verse for us today. 
says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Well, let's work backwards. For the common good, the manifestation or the embodiment of the Spirit is given to everybody. Let's work from the front and work, work forwards. To everyone is given the presence, the manifestation, the gift for the benefit of all. That's amazing news. A manifestation of the Spirit is described in nine gifts. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous, powers. Sorry, not miraculous, powers. You don't get powers, but, well, miracles is another way to describe that, but miraculous powers is in the NIV. So wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Nine gifts, manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people equate God's moving in your life or, or you being filled with His presence, being represented by those manifestation gifts. And while I believe that He's in you and He's on you, He's gifted you to move in those gifts, all of us, all of us, and many of us, multiple gifts, I believe that. Just because you're not active in those gifts does not mean that you don't have the, the presence of God in your life. Doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit. My point here is that the Holy Spirit is on you like a mantle, like He's anointed you with a gift for the common good. Acts 1-2 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He has gifted you. He's got a mantle. He's hovering on you. The Holy Spirit is in you, number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit is on you. And number three, the Holy Spirit is over you. It says, in me's omis over me. Genesis 1, hovering, formless and without shape, hovering above the waters, over the waters. The Old Testament, the cloud and the fire, over, guiding, helping. And I believe he's still doing this to this day. Acts 2, 3 talks about the Holy Spirit coming. There was a sound of a rushing wind and there were tongues of fire. Where? Over and resting on the apostles, those gathered in that room that day. A tongue of fire rested over their head. It was above them. I believe that the Lord searches to and fro throughout the land. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of God's presence on the earth. I believe that He's above me, guiding me, protecting me. That where do my eyes look? I look to the heavens. Because I believe God the Father is seated and Jesus at His right hand. But I believe the Holy Spirit guides and is helping and shepherding me and is above me, in me, on me, over me. The Holy Spirit, number four, if you're taking notes, is behind me. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, this is a key scripture for my life. So when I share this Isaiah scripture, I'm not just sharing it because I think it's a good one. This, this for me is foundational to my faith. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your, eye, your ears will hear a voice coming from behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Isn't that cool? So as I move in my life, Isaiah 30 speaks to me and promises me that whether I turn to the left or to the right, a voice will say, this is the way, walk in it. So if I turn left, I can, I can, I can believe God and I can reach into this promise. Say, so as I turn to the left, job, career decision. As I turn to the left, family choice, where to live, what to do, who to connect with, all decisions in my life. As I take a step to the left or to the right, I can 
believe that there's a voice from behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. That, that might come in different ways. It might come in unease versus peace. It might come in uh, a multitude of counselors. Is that Drake mean? It, it, it could be a, a voice that I believe that God is in me. He's on me. He's above me. I believe that he's also behind me. That, that there's a sense like he's, um, he's, he's clearing away, and I'll talk, talk about this in a second, but he's also guiding and directing from the back. He's not just behind me. If you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is ahead of me. So he's, he's and now I believe he's also in front. Psalm 23 says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Ah, he guides me in paths of righteousness along the right paths. You see that? That sense of God speaking, left or right, this is the way. But then he's guiding me from the front. He's leading me beside quiet waters and stillness and paths of righteousness and along the right paths. Romans 8.14 says, only those people who are led by God's spirit, that's what we're talking about, are what? God's children. So we're God's children because we know that we're being led and guided and filled with his Holy Spirit. That he's behind me, that he's ahead of me, that he's in me, that he's on me, that he's over me. That, that I'm trying to give us the sense like, man, he's, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he's omniscient, he's powerful, he's, he has the ability to guide and lead us and help us. Good vibes only. The Holy Spirit, if you're taking notes, is also beside me. I like that. John 14, 28, Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things, will teach you all the things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I like that. So the Advocate, so Jesus is saying, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit will come, and, and the Father will send him in my name, and he will help you. Help, tutor, teacher, shepherd, mentor, there, present, in my life, not distant or aloof, but close, intimate, help, advocate. But he'll remind you of all the things that Jesus taught. So Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit, and he's also saying, and the Holy Spirit will endorse what I've done. Like we're a squad, like we're the same, like it's like we're all just working together. Don't you love that? You have a family, and, you, and it's like, hey, this is my wife, and I'm just going to go to the washroom, I'll be right back. And then the wife's tone of voice and her way of life and her outlook and worldview and just her overall vibe, her marbo, is the same as the husband's. And you're like, man, these guys are like, you can tell they spend a lot of time together and they kind of just know each other back to front. He's a helper. He's an advocate. He's next to me. He's helping me. He's beside me. He walks with me. Sometimes I get um, thrilled that he lives in me. Like I, I can, I have the gifts of God in my life. Sometimes I'm stoked that he's over me and powerfully above me and helping me. Sometimes I, I get really excited that he's on me. He's anointed me. He's, he's given me everything that I need. Sometimes I'm excited that he's behind me and speaks and guides me. Other times I'm glad. But I think for me, most often I, I, I get excited with the fact that he's beside me. That he's close. That he's not a long way off. That he traveled a long way. And wants to live in me and speak to me and be an intimate part of my life. If you're taking notes, and this is the eighth truth today, is that the Holy Spirit moves through me. He's beside me, ahead of me, behind me, above me, on me, in me. But the Holy Spirit wants to move through me. 
Acts 12.19 says, I shared the scripture a couple of times in the last few weeks, that so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and the illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Their aprons and handkerchiefs, things, clothing, cloth that had touched the disciples was so anointed. Why? Because of the disciples? No. The Bible also says that they were unschooled and ordinary men, but they knew they had been with Jesus because of things like this. Their aprons and handkerchiefs, their cloth was so powerful because it was touched by the Holy Spirit. Acts 5 verse 15 says, As a result, people brought the sick to the streets and laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. The shadow, the cloth, the apron, the handkerchief, the presence of these men was so impacting in the lives of people. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit that was moving through them. He's on you, he's in you, he's above you, he's behind you, he's in front of you, he's beside of you, ahead of you. But he wants to move through you. We can use our gifts for the good of mankind. We walked yesterday as a staff. I'm recording this on the Wednesday, 10 days before uh, 2-4 weekend. And we walked with our staff around the city and just getting a, we've got a coffee together and I just wanted to encourage people, like let's not forget who we do this for. Walking past regular people, people that are unchurched, far from God, like, we're not out here trying to like street preach, but let's just remember like there's a tangible sense of people's lives and people that need Jesus and we can't get so caught up being Christians that we forget that we exist for those who aren't a part of the church. I believe that the church's purpose is to worship God, to edify the saints, to raise disciples, but a core part of discipleship is the sharing of our faith and bringing people into God's presence and His church and His community. Not bums on a seats on a Sunday, but a part of a genuine community of relationship and growth. Sorry, that was tangent, but I, I think that was important. But then the last thing we did was we circled around and sat out outside the Supreme Court at the top of Kent and, and Wellington on, on the beautiful grass out the front. Beautiful building, great time. I just said, guys, um, let's all set a timer on our phones for 15 minutes. And in 15 minutes, our goal is that, you know, we would have spent 15 minutes with Jesus in silence. And, you know, we're talking Chris Spencer, and Jaden, and Steph Malte, and Sabrina, Nadia, uh, uh, you know, everyone who was there that day, Alex Gronerwag. Like, this is not a quiet bunch. This is, a, this is a bunch that we have more words than hours in the day to share, myself included. And I said, 15 minutes silence. And everyone's like, oh, that might be a challenge. But yeah, cool, let's go. Some people sat in the shade, grabbed out a book. Some people walked down the street, others in the sunshine. Others walked around the building and had a look at the Ottawa River. Beautiful day. It's like 24 degrees out. Like it's just stunning. Just, just a, a, another reason why the city is, is the greatest city to raise a family in, like in all the world. It's just got, it's got everything that you would want to build friendships and be a part of community. It's just the best. Came back and I was like, hey, I felt like the Lord said this to me. And I, don't, I didn't preempt you by saying, come back and share what God says. But if he did speak, and if you want to share it, then go for it. Man, bang, every single person. Every single person sharing what? Sharing like an encouraging message that they felt from the Holy Spirit, that God was speaking to them. God said this about me, and God said this, and God encouraged me this, and God reminded me this, and God said this. That He's in you, on you, behind you, above you, beside you, over you, ahead of you. But He wants to move through you for the common good, for the good of mankind. Jaden mentioned this last week in his Mother's Day message, and I loved it. And I think this is a stirring in our church at the moment about 
being a praying people. Remember, remember that? He talked about praying. He talked about um, let's just make prayer not weird and have people that we pray for and just like praying for our neighbor. Like, hey, can I pray for you? And like in church, it's like, like if we can't pray for each other in church, like we're in trouble because we should be able to pray for our neighbors in a way that's not weird. You know, anytime I get a message from a neighbor or a friend who's unchurched and they're like, hey, I'm sick or my child is sick or they're going through this, I'll always say, do you mind if I pray for you? Not so much like when we're talking, like, can I lay hands on your forehead right now? But like texting, like, hey, I'm, is it cool if I pray for you? Hey, I've been praying for you. And to get feedback, hey, I felt those prayers. Thanks for praying. Like, no one in a time of trial, I've never met anybody in a time of trial who doesn't want prayer. In a time of trial, people are like, yeah, please, like, that'd be exceptional if you prayed for me. They didn't even know what it means. They didn't even believe in a higher power. But they're like, yeah, like, it's like spiritual insurance. Go for it. Why wouldn't you? You know, you know the Lord. You talk to God. And I'm like, I'd love to do that for you. Because I believe that he can use me and move through me for the common good, for the good of all mankind. Let's pray and believe. There's nine gifts again. Let me talk, talk you through them from 1 Corinthians 12. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of those tongues. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophetic words, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. There are some of those that are quite rare. But some I believe that we could really pray in and, and believe that God would start to manifest in us and have bubbling over in our lives, like fruit on a tree in the spring and the summertime. That it just that you go you go apple picking with the kids in the fall and it's just like there's just fruit everywhere. There's so much fruit is rotten on the ground that we could be a church that's so overflowing in fruit that there's low hanging for people to engage and receive healing and faith, miraculous signs, prophetic words, the interpretation of different tongues, knowledge. Words of wisdom and pictures, vision for their life. Because he's above you, in you, on you, beside you, ahead of you, behind you. But he wants to work through you. I'd love to pray for people here today. And I want to go right back to point number one. And point number one, we're trying to encourage ourselves today that he's in you. We're trying to encourage ourselves today that to receive the Holy Spirit or a fresh wind or an ever-filled or a baptism. These things are good things and these are biblical things. But we can't escape the fact that the Bible says in Ephesians 1 that having believed, believed what? Having believed in Jesus, in other words, repentance and believing in Christ, you were marked in Him with a seal. That the promised Holy Spirit lives in you. A deposit, a deposit guaranteeing God's inheritance that you have the presence of God, that the forgiveness of your sins and the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit are simultaneous acts. You come alive in Christ. And if you're dead in Christ, if you're not walking with Him, if you're away from God and you want to be filled today with the Holy Spirit, you might be sitting out right now, I hope you are, out on a patio or on the back porch, sitting there, got a cold beverage in your hand with your family, your kids are kicking it, you're there with your friends, you're having a great time. Maybe at a cottage, maybe you're looking at some water today and the Wi-Fi is dicey and you can barely understand anything I'm saying and I'm cutting in and out and you're not active on the chat. All good. If right now we could believe that you could have a moment of repentance, intimate like connection with God and be filled with His Holy Spirit, I believe that that can happen through this lens and through your broadband and through some satellites, pinging back and forth through, you know, 
Elon Musk's technological advancements through your screen and into your life. I believe it's possible, not because of even technology. You can see me because of that, but because of the Holy Spirit and his, his power and he's alive and active in your life. And so let's pray this prayer today if that's you. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. And one more prayer before we go for all of us. If you wouldn't mind, everyone, why don't you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, today, we welcome you into our lives. We ask you for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Touch us today. God, anoint your people. Let us be ever filled with your presence. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Love you so much. I'll hand you back now to our MCs. See you later. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.